0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording. And lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, Asalaamu alaykum rahmatullah. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam radio station. You're listening to myself Samar and Osman Manan, and we will be with you, God willing, all the way up until nine o'clock. So if you do have any questions, any remarks, any comments that you'd like to make, please feel free to do so. The Number for you as always is 0208-687-7878. And of course you can hit us up on our socials, on Twitter and on Instagram at Voice of Islam UK. Um, again, we're going to be speaking about three uh main topics for the day. Um, we'll just quickly go through them uh, so you know what to expect. And, of course, if you would like to, to contribute and voice your opinion uh, about any one of these topics, then, uh, as always, you can do. So, remember, this is your radio station and we'd love for you to get involved. So, do pick up the phone and give us a call at 208 687 The first segment that we're going to be speaking about uh, up until the 8 o'clock news is replacing social media use with with physical activity um, something that we spoke about last week as well we're going to be going into a bit more detail in that regard Um, in the second hour we're going to be speaking about mud and our immune system Uh, let the kids have fun and be healthy um so that's in the second uh, second hour and uh, last but not least we're also going to be speaking about NASA's dart spacecraft and how it's uh, how it changed path of asteroid another milestone achieved so these are the other are three segments of for the day uh remember like i said if you would like to get involved with any one of these um then of course you can do so Whether it's on our social media uh, social media, or At uh, Voice of Islam UK Or by picking up the phone And give us, giving us a call On 0 Uh But before we get into uh, All of these uh, Usman, how are you doing this morning?
1: Assalamu alaikum Peace be upon you I'm very good, alhamdulillah How are you, yourself?
0: Likewise, very good as well Alhamdulillah By the grace of Allah the Almighty um, and uh, what's what's the what's the weather uh, looking like today?
1: So today, um, eastern areas will be mainly dry and sunny, with just the odd isolated shower. Western regions will have patchy cloud and a few showers, with persistent rain pushing into the southwest later. And later tonight, spells of locally heavy rain will push north northwards across western and northern parts of the UK. To the southeast, it will remain generally dry, although it will become mostly cloudy. And I think uh, yesterday as well, it was very, very heavy rain. Yeah. I think f- for a short period, but mm-hmm. I was just driving at that time and... Uh, yeah, same. It was, it was yeah. a mission. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> and tomorrow we'll, we'll see outbreaks of heavy and thundery rain again in the north at first, clearing north northwards through the morning elsewhere there will be a mixture of sunshine and a few sharp blustery showers and later on this week Thursday we will see variable cloud and a few showers pushing northwards across the UK but southeastern areas should brighten up with the plenty of sunshine later breezy on Friday a band of rain is expected to sweep across northern and western parts turning dry and bright for most during the afternoon Saturday looks to the further spells of rain pushing in from the south. So, a lot of rain this week.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and like you said, the, the last uh, couple of days as well, it's just been, uh, it's, well, quite gloomy uh, to, mm. to say the least. Yeah, isn't I'm feeling
1: it? a bit dull, you know. Like yeah. It's is, is that, is that period where you switch from, you know, the nice summer yeah. coming. To the, to the winter yeah for
0: for from for many I think it's the worst worst uh, kind of weather isn't it when, <laughs> when you are just getting out of the summer and then uh, it starts to get cold isn't it mm. um the newspaper headlines: "Here comes the Sunak and unite or die." Um, as you can imagine, um, uh, well, all of the, uh, the 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 front pages today are speaking about the new prime minister. So, like many of Tuesday's, Tuesday's papers, uh, Metro dedicates its whole front page to a picture of the the next prime minister Rishi Sunak. The paper also highlights that he will be con- the the country's first british asian prime minister the front page carries a quote from mr sunak's speech on monday afternoon in which he said it was the greatest privilege of his life to be able to give back to country i owe so much to quote the daily star highlights that the uk is on to its third
1: prime minister in a year by asking whether the former chancellor will last until the end of october in his new role the paper leads with a jovial Calendar graphic featuring a smiling Mr. Sunak posing for the month of October.
0: Mm -hmm. The Daily Mail calls Mr. Sunak's victory a new dawn for Britain following weeks of turmoil within the Conservative Party. The paper says his win heralds the beginning of the Tory fight back.
1: And the Daily Mirror takes a slightly different approach to Mr. Sunak becoming the new leader of the Conservative Party by asking who voted for you? In a blunt assessment of the new Prime Minister, the paper points out that Another Tory is poised to take all, take to power without winning a general election.
0: Mm, I mean, even on the front page, it, it says our new, and then in brackets, unelected prime minister as well, <laughs> isn't it? Um, the Sun references uh, Mr. Sunak's love of Star Wars in a front page that features a doctored image of him holding a lightsaber alongside the headline, uh, quote-unquote, The Force is with you, Rishi. The paper also mentions that Mr Sunak is the UK's first Hindu prime minister and that his victory comes at the start of Diwali uh, of the Diwali Re- uh, religious festival.
1: Yeah, I just noticed yesterday as well. It was uh, uh just last night actually. I was mm. going to sleep and I had I heard some fireworks. Yeah, so, yeah. And I I just I I forgot it was about, about the Diwali event so
0: Oh, you thought it was because of the new prime minister? Uh
1: probably not, but I, <laughs> I was just wondering there's probably some kids messing around. Oh, but, um, okay. Yeah. My wife told me there's Diwali and <laughs> her friends were celebrating as well. Oh, nice. Tuesday's I is a special edition dedicated to Mr. Sunak becoming the new Prime Minister. It looks ahead to his first um it looks ahead to his first 100 days in power and analyze uh, analysis what his policies may mean for the British public. The paper also carries a story about grassroots Tories sharing their ang- anger uh, being denied a vote after Penny Mordant uh, dropped out of the Tory leadership contest, meaning Mr. Sunak won by default.
0: Mm. The Daily Express dedicates its whole front page to Mr. Sunak features, uh, and features several childhood post-pictures of the soon-to-be prime minister, who, is, uh, who, it, was, who it has dubbed sorry, um, as a man born to lead.
1: And the Times speculates on which of Mr. Sunak's key allies could get cabinet positions, suggesting that there could be potential comeback for a former Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab and former Tory Chairman Oliver Dowden. Cabinet roles are expected to be announced after Mr. Sunak meets the King. Uh,
0: the Daily Telegraph uh, points out Mr. Sunak has won the role of Prime Minister without winning a general election with an analysis uh, claiming the process has been just like the X factor except no one actually voted for the winner. the front page uh, also features Mr. Sunak's urgent warning that the party must unite or die quote unquote.
1: the guardian uh, the Guardian too leads on Mr. Sunak's unite or die warning in a nod to his pre- pre- um, predecessor Liz truss who quit last week. The paper also carries a How to Lose a Top Job and Survive
0: feature in its page. Hmm. The uh, FT leads on Mr. Sunak's speech on the, uh, to the nation. Um, in which he vowed to get to grips uh, with the profound economic challenge facing the country as the cost of living crisis continues. The paper says current Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has urged Mr. Sunak to focus on a new medium-term debt-cutting plan next week before the interest rate-setting meeting at the Bank of England on 3rd of November. Um, So as you can see, most of Tuesday's front page uh, carry uh, Rishi Sunak's comments that conservative MPs must unite or die. His absolute focus is bringing the party together again, uh, according to what the Times has said. The paper quotes sources close to him as saying it will be a tough road ahead and Unless the party faces difficult decisions together, then they are finished. The Guardian has also heard from Mr Sunak's allies who claim that uh, he will reach across the Tory party. In stark contrast, the paper says, to the divisive um, uh, purges of Liz Truss or Boris Johnson. The Daily Express says the incoming Prime Minister is the right man for the right time due to his intellectual calibre, grasp of policy and strength of character. The paper also describes his comeback after losing to Liz Truss last month as extraordinary. He was left devastated, um, quote-unquote, by that defeat, according to the Daily Telegraph, which quotes his allies as saying he can now implement his policy agenda. Um so so yeah I mean what uh, what w- what's your take uh, on this Osman? one we can see that all of the front pages from from one angle or another are speaking about the new prime minister uh, Rishi Sunak um and how he was elected as well um or uh, basically unelected isn't it yeah, how he just uh, sort of got the job so I mean what what's what's your take on this
1: Um yeah well uh It was very surprising a few uh, days ago when uh, this trust quit like very, very, very like suddenly. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe some people expected it, but um, so it's, it's uh, it it was a little surprise, but now um, let's see what what Rishi Sunak, the new prime minister, will do. Well, he has like his five main um, um, problems he's highlighted, Mm -hmm. which is like very generally fixing the economy first of all and after that he say uh, he wants to make NHS savings so uh, you know give some attention to the NHS and uh, another issue he's he's uh, talked about was their workers are striking over pay, and uh, which is increasing probably because of the again because of the economy and the winter and the gas prices and stuff and uh, And obviously, one of the top problems is supporting Ukraine and defense spending. And lastly, I think Northern Ireland protocol. So these are some of his uh, uh, problems he's mentioned that he's going to attend Mm. to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And another uh, question is uh, whether or not the Conservative Party is ready to unite uh, behind uh, Rishi Sunak as well, isn't it? I mean, like some of the mm. the newspapers uh, also said that um, and, and highlighted the fact that uh, he just sort of got the job rather than um, there being a general election. Um, and uh, Rishi Sunak, he used his first uh, public speech since becoming the new Conservative leader to promise uh, to bring the party and country together. Some members of the uh, public may well ask why the former is important Um, Well, why has so much parliamentary time been dedicated to Tory in fighting um, at a time when people are struggling with the cost of living? Uh, Part of the problem, as Liz found uh, out the hard way, is it's very hard to govern effectively and uh, pass policies if your party won't necessarily back you. Um, The question then uh, arises that can Mr Sunak turn that around? Well, we have seen an initial moment of unity. Um, On Monday afternoon, Conservative MPs and journalists were crammed into the ornate room of Parliament where the chair of the committee that runs Tory leadership contests, Sir Graham Brady, was about to announce who had been nominated as party leader. The room was full of chatter and then suddenly fell silent The news uh, rippled around the room um, that uh, Penny Mordaunt had uh, conceded. News um, uh, many Sunak backers passed around on their phones with glee. Um, So uh, so at, at that time, there was a moment of unity. Um, but the question then arises about uh, policy clashes. Uh, uh, policy clashes, sorry, um, and 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 that's where the problems could possibly arise. So Tory MP Miriam Cates told the BBC that Mr. Sunak's speech on Monday showed the party could unite over its policies. Another supporter, Laura Trott, said uh, he'd shown a will to unite, and that we need to stop talking about ourselves and start talking about the things that matter to the country. The issue is that the people that the party is also divided on some key policies at the moment with ideological differences on issues uh, ranging from immigration to fracking to tax cuts. Mistrust faced a backlash over her tax cuts um, and rebellions over her plans to bring back um, fracking where there is uh, local consent something Mr. Sunak also backed in the summer leadership campaign. And he could also face similar challenges Challenges trying to pass some legislation where these policy differences exist. So uh, obviously, like we can see, um, uh, um, and from, from yesterday afternoon as well, from last night, um, uh, we can see that there was a moment of unity there but uh, the next question is whether or not they can actually be united, and of course, uh, this is essential because if you want to uh, pass legislation and if you want to pass policies, um, then you need the backing of your own party to, uh, at the forefront, um, and only then can mm-hmm. you can you expect others to be uh, welcoming of that uh, legislation, of that policy, um, and that's why it's so essential to to have a team. Um, which which backs you and which trusts you, um, and that is of course the way going forward, isn't it?
1: Yeah, most definitely. As as a leader, I mean, this is your dream. If you have your followers are with you instead of always plotting against you. Yeah. Um, and we see this in, the, in in the Islamic system as well. That when the the Holy Prophet Islam, uh, uh, the Holy Prophet of Islam, uh, peace be upon him, when uh, he um, you know it's Announced his prophethood So the, the greatest support He got Was from his From his close family From his wife And his uh, um, Friends And that That uh, that gives you a, a backbone And gives you Some strength To you know Move forward Otherwise People will Lose Like faith And they will They, they will be like What's the point Of trying So hard If the people mm. I'm doing this for They are not With me they're not supporting me. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Rishi Sunak, now 42 years old, will officially be, uh, become prime minister this morning after winning the Conservative Party leadership contest, and he will meet the King, um, King Charles, today, entering uh, um, entering number ten as the UK's first British Asian prime minister, and he is also the third prime minister within seven weeks.
0: Um, I mean, uh, in in other news, which is of course similar as well, uh, we can see, uh, ov- obviously, like uh, another uh, problem which is arising, and another th- uh, thing that uh, uh, Rishi Sunak would have to deal with as well is, of course, uh, uh, of course, the cost of living. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just quickly, before we move on to our first main segment for the day um some some tips um on cost of living um and a guide to saving money as well so the uk is being hit by rising costs uh food energy transport and housing are all going up rapidly in price uh, but everyone's cost of living crisis is affecting them in different ways um and there's there's uh there's food there's, um, uh, of course, uh, um, th- th- how many ha- members of uh, of your household are, are of working age who are actually working as well. Do you have a prepayment uh, meter? Um, do you receive disability benefits? How we travel, uh, all of these things, um, our housing, uh, make a huge effect um, on this as well. So these are the sort of things that we need to be looking at um and we need to be trying to save uh, money in this regard as well to help ourselves um if you go onto the BBC website um there there is an article on this and and they've also given you options as well um it tells you and asks you how you're coping uh, and it gives you four options doing okay coping uh, struggling or in a crisis um then it asks you about um uh, what best describes your household um, um then af- about your energy if you receive benefits um if and it asks how you travel uh, usually travel as well um public transport electric uh, vehicle uh, petrol car um where do you live um and it, uh, when you answer these questions um then it gives you some tips um uh, based on your answers um so if you if you would like some tips on this um on 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 saving During this crisis, uh, cost of living, then uh, then you can have a your own personal guide to saving money on the website on the BBC website as well. Um, And with that, uh, we are going to be going to our first uh, segment uh, for the day, our first main segment. Uh, Again, this is something which we spoke about last week as well, um, replacing social media use with physical activity. Um, And just to serve as a reminder, in the second hour, we're going to be speaking about mud and our immune systems. Um, Let the kids have fun and be healthy. Um is the title for the second segment for the day um and last but not least NASA's dart spacecraft changed a path of asteroid another milestone achieved is the last segment for the day um just getting straight into this uh the the first segment uh reality. Or hallucination how the human brain interprets our surroundings um, so our brain uh, constantly interprets uh, the information it receives from the world um, th- uh, but the question then is does that mean we are all experiencing different realities well I mean, I mean, wh- wh- what what do we mean by this, uh, Osman? If you can briefly discuss uh, the main parts from uh, from this article that we've picked out uh, for the benefit of our listeners, please.
1: Yeah, so the, the world we experience is <coughs> just not given to us. Our brains give us different experiences at every moment. If you close our eyes while sitting at a beach, the sound of a seagull, waves hitting the shore or water droplets touching our face All these signals do not come with all the information. They uh, they are all ambiguous signals and our brain has to make sense of them by interpreting them via sensory signals and organs. So the interpretation is called perception. And uh, our brain has prior knowledge of the world and all the signals that we receive, we interpret them based on our knowledge. And we see as we see the world as it most use, um, as it is most useful to us. For example, does all the colors that we see really exist, or these are just different wavelengths that our brain interpret differently?
0: Mm. I mean, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Uh, so, I mean, sometimes uh, you even, for instance, you're talking about colors um, and and the things that we see, right? Um, there, there was uh, um, it was a, a picture of a dress. Uh, I think you remember a few years ago now. Um, I think this was maybe in the beginning of the pandemic. I'm not too sure, but there was a dress with white and, and uh, either gold or uh, blue and black, uh, and, and blue and black. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and and the picture went viral on social media, um, and uh, some people would say that it's it, uh, to them it looks white and gold, and the mm. the uh, some would say that um it looks uh, it looks uh, it looks uh, different to them um and and of course it's just uh, our our mind isn't it the way that we see things you mentioned perception um and these are the things uh which uh, which impact it uh, as well and even when we look at our uh, day-to-day lives whenever we see something and this doesn't have to be something that we see physically it can be something which has happened and something which you've uh, noticed um or something that you've uh, you've you've basically just just uh just you you feel isn't it um and different people will take uh, and derive different things from that um, so it can be that if I see something, my perception of that might be different to if you were to see that thing, yeah. um, and and we see that in our day to day lives, isn't it? We we let's say we're with our peers and we we've we've experienced something or we've seen something, whether it's something in front of us or whether it's from a show on te- on television, um, and different people will derive different uh, meanings from that, and it just it just it just it it shows us um the 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 thinking behind it the thought process behind it and how everyone is different in their own capacities isn't it
1: yeah certainly and uh, you've seen other like many many uh, like diagrams or pictures they they uh, um they have like different dynamics and uh, like there's pictures like for example of stairs they're mm. going up and you turn it around and after a second the, the picture changes it changes in front of you yeah. within a second and mm-hmm. you just like how is this possible? Exactly. So it's all. Um, some people have argued this: that is, is this reality even real? Are we just mm-hmm. uh, imagining things? Mm. Or there's many things which make you doubt that your your life is real. Yeah, which make you doubt that is. Have I really seen this? Mm-hmm. There, there's some people they when they dream, to them it becomes so real that when they wake up, they actually think they went through this. Yeah. So. Uh, our mind can do like amazing things inside our brain, um, uh, and this is exactly the topic we're going to be uh, talking about in the interview later. So, that how how does your mind affect your emotions? Yeah. So, uh, a research conducted by uh, Dr. Barrett, uh, which we will look at later, she said that. Your, your emotions are actually something You have created yourself It's not something inbuilt mm. It's it's an experience from your past Which is uh, causing you to react this way yeah. If you become angry at a certain thing It's not because it triggered your anger It's because your previous experience In in this category or something similar to it mm-hmm. Caused you to get angry yeah. You chose to get angry at that time yeah. And that is the consequence of um, now so what you did before Is the consequence That you're getting angry again At the same moment yeah. Or maybe you get nervous Going on a stage mm. Or it's the same thing You have You've had a bad experience In your past Which is making you nervous At this moment Because you know When I go to that stage Yeah Something will happen Which happened before Yeah And that's what That's uh, something which uh, uh, Apparently We can uh, choose mm. So we can choose our emotion We can choose to be Angry or happy Or nervous at that moment Yeah but we have to we have to have a good past experience regarding this to have a good future experience yeah
0: yeah I mean even sometimes when uh, when you when you feel as if uh, you've you've eaten something Mm -hmm. um, and you've had a bad experience maybe you got food poisoned or maybe uh, you had an upset stomach after that or whatever um, and then Whenever you, whenever you see that dish again or that that food mm. or whatever, you might feel as if, uh, even though you might not be allergic to it necessarily, yeah. uh, it, it was probably just the way it was cooked that day, mm-hmm. um, and you'll 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 say no, I'm I'm not gonna have this. Some yeah, I, yeah. I I'm probably gonna fall sick or this is gonna happen and that's gonna happen because of your past experiences, isn't it? Mm. So it's not something which is which is specific uh, to each uh, to 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 all of us, uh, but rather uh, it. It's not, it's basically it's not a general thing which is for all of us yeah. but rather it's a specific thing for each each individual isn't it so yeah. you, because, like you said because of your past experience with something it might be positive it might be negative your outlook on that specific thing when it happens again or when it's about to happen again will determine whether or not you're anxious about it whether you're nervous about it whether you're happy about it angry about it all of these different emotions that we have it will be based on whatever previous experiences you've had with that uh, specific thing in the past Um, and that's why this reality um, um, the the, the word reality that we keep using here um, the interpretation of it uh, varies from from each person to another as well isn't it Um, and if you talk about external diversity this is something that we are familiar with Um, like we all know we are uh, uh, we are Different uh, uh, heights, colors, shapes, um, but the idea of uh, external diversity. That we have uh, as individuals is not known to others. Someone else can maybe not see the experience that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. The blue that we see in the sky might not be similar to to the 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 blue that someone else is seeing through their own lens, through their own eyes. Um, and if we go back a few years ago, this this is actually the the dress that we were speaking about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a famous dress on the internet which made everyone. Uh, almost uh cry uh, as uh, as half of the world was seeing it as white and gold and the second half was seeing it as blue and black um mm-hmm. and each group was was so convinced that uh, what they were seeing was the actual color um the color that everyone uh saw was based on their own brain's perception so it's it's interesting isn't it that uh of course we're speaking about um um, about uh, us as individuals and the experience that we see with the things um, that we see or feel, uh, but over here, this image that we're, we're we're addressing and the image that we're speaking about, um, that was basically the, the the world was split in two. Uh, one was saying that they see one color. One was seeing that uh, saying that these they were seeing one color um, or one se- a set of colors um and uh it's interesting that uh it's according to the what uh, whatever our brain is telling us isn't it sometimes mm. there's there's optical illusions um in which maybe some people can can see it more clearer uh than other people um and it's the same thing over here as well isn't it
1: yeah certainly i think we should get to our uh interview as we will have more uh, insight from the expert i think let's go that way
2: uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett is a uh, University D- Distinguished Professor of Psychology at Northern University with appointments at the MGH and Harvard Medical School. Dr. Barrett is among the top 1% most cited scientists worldwide and has received numerous awards for the groundbreaking work. She is an elected fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. The Royal Society of Canada and a number of other uh, honorific um, societies. She has testified before the US Congress, is the chief science officer for the Center for Law, Brain and Behavior at MGH, and has authored two best-selling popular science books for the public, How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain, and more recently, Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain. A popular TED talk has been viewed more than 6.5 million times to date. Uh, welcome Dr. Barrett. How are you today? I'm, I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. Uh, so I have a, for the, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, could you please outline the seven and a half lessons about the brain you write about in your book, uh, of the same title, please. Sure.
3: Well, the book, is actually literally seven and a half little essays. Um, and I wrote these essays because not everybody wants to read, you know, a 400-page book about popular science. So I thought it would be nice to give people some entertaining little tidbits of neuroscience that they could entertain their family and friends with. Um, and that actually invite uh, them to think about what it means to be human. So the essays don't tell you what to think about human nature, but they do invite you to think about, well, the kind of human you are or that you want to be. And so the essays cover topics like, how did your brain evolve in the first place and what's its most important job? Because brains are your brain is your most expensive organ in your whole body. Um, It takes up about 20% of your metabolic budget. So it's really expensive to run. So why do you have a brain? What's it good for and what's its most important job? A lot of people believe that the most important job of a brain is to think and to plan, um, maybe to feel or to um, see or hear. And it turns out that your brain's most important job is not any of those things. Um, it's mm-hmm. to coordinate and regulate the systems of your body. And everything else your brain does, Thinking, feeling, seeing, hearing, it does in the service of that task, which, of course, is not how we experience ourselves. We don't experience every hug we get and every insult we bear in that way, but that's really what's happening under the hood. Um, another lesson in in the essays um, is that uh, many popular articles and books claim that you have an inner lizard brain that houses your instincts, which is wrapped up in... Um, a limbic system for emotion which is supposed to be controlled by your gigantic rational neocortex. So the idea that the brain evolved in layers like uh, sedimentary layers of rock or like um, layers of a birthday cake. That's completely a myth. Um, And so two of the essays discuss how your brain is actually structured and how it actually works. Um, Another essay talks about Um, how uh, an infant brain develops into an adult brain. So your brain, and actually continually develops throughout your life, so your brain continually, constantly rewires itself from the moment that you're born. Um, It wires itself and rewires itself to the world that you inhabit. And this is such a skillful task that the brain is engaged in, that we think we're actually born with all sorts of critical knowledge that we actually, in fact, learn from our caregivers' actions. So the essay talks about how nature and nurture are not competing forces to create who you are, that we have the kind of nature, the kind of genes that require nurture, that require the input from other people as we develop um Another essay talks about how your brain doesn't react to the world, it predicts. So to us, it feels like we see things and hear things in the world, and then we we react to those things. But actually, most of your brain activity is unconsciously guessing about what you have to do next and, what, as a consequence, what you will experience or perceive next. And these guesses... Create every action you take and everything you see and hear and feel. Um, And so one of the essays talks about, explains how that works. Um, Another essay talks about how we invisibly regulate each other's nervous systems, and vice, you know, for better or for worse. So we are the caretakers of each other's nervous systems, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, that is actually how we're wired. and there are a number of other, other lessons as well, but, um, but, but those are some of the highlights. I can give you the last two if you'd like, or, or we could just stop there.
2: Uh, I think we'll, we'll leave the rest for, for the listeners to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, next, could you please uh, explain the difference between uh, sensation and perception?
3: Yes, I can, but in order to do that, I'm going to have to um, introduce probably a distinction that maybe people aren't aware of, and that mm-hmm. is the following, that we think about eyes and ears and um, our um, sense organs as windows on the world, right, that we just, we use through our eyes, we look out onto the world and we see the world the way um, you know, a camera might take a photograph of of the world, but that's really not how your body works. And it's, um, it's, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but, but here's the explanation. You have surfaces, cells on your body that receive sensory signals. So light waves will hit Um, the cells in your eye called your retina, sound waves hit uh, an organ in your ear called your cochlea. Your skin is full of sensory surfaces and you have sensory surfaces inside your body for sensing how much water you have, how much glucose, which is a a molecule that we use for energy, um, how much salt, uh, and so on and so forth. And so sensation is the word that scientists use to describe these sensory signals as they hit the sensory surfaces of your body. But the sensory signals themselves have to be made meaningful, right? So, um, for example, if there's a change in air pressure, sound waves hit, you know, enter your ear, and there's a loud bang, that loud bang could be... um, A car backfiring, it could be um, a thunderclap, it could be a door slamming, it could be, if you're in the United States, for example, in certain parts of the country, it could be a gunshot. Your brain doesn't know what the wave, the sound waves mean. It has to guess. And so perception is Um, your brain organizing and interpreting um, and creating experience out of those sensations. So your brain is continually making sense of the sensory signals that it's receiving from the world in relation to the sensory signals that are coming from inside your own body. And all of that is knit together through the... um, with past experiences that your brain is using to guess what those
2: sensory signals mean. Mm-hmm, very interesting. Um, and in light of your TEDx, TEDx talk sorry, on the subject and being a recipient of the National Institutes of Health Directors uh, Pioneer Award for your revolutionary research on emotion in the brain, what is that the power of mood in the way we perceive things?
3: So, again, we we have to sort of, in order to answer that question, we have to take a step back and think about what the brain is doing. Um, So, um, uh, sensory signals are constantly hitting the sensory surfaces of your body, and your brain has to make a guess about which ones are important. Mm -hmm. So, not all of the signals. Not every single thing that's in the world is relevant to you. Only some things are. Um, so there's there's just an overwhelming amount of information in the world. You don't have to um, create perceives or create perceptions for every single thing that's happening, only some things. So your brain is um, guessing about which signals it needs to pay attention to and which ones... Um, Uh, it, it can safely ignore and we call that selective attention so how does your brain guess which signals are important and which ones can be ignored well it turns out that has something to do with the state of your own body which you experience as mood so let me unpack this a little bit when I say mood I don't mean emotions like anger and fear and happiness and compassion I mean Mood is a more base is something more basic than emotion. It's a simple accounting of how you're doing right now. So, for example, maybe some of our listeners are hungry right now. Maybe mm-hmm. they um, didn't sleep very well um, because they were um, kept awake by noise, or um, they were planning, you know, a, something they have to do the next day, or maybe some of your listeners have had too much coffee to drink, (laughs) right? (laughs) So all of these things together combine to create your mood, or what scientists like to call affect, which is A-F-F-E-C-T. Affect or mood is made by your brain as it works tirelessly day and night to keep your body running smoothly. Because remember I said, Mm -hmm. your brain's most important job, its business is is basically budgeting all of these internal resources that you need to stay alive and well, like water, glucose, hormones, salt, that kind of thing. And so mood or affect is like a barometer for the state of your body budget. Mood is always with you in every moment of your life, whether you're emotional or not, and whether you're aware of it or not. So Listeners can check in with themselves right now. Like, how are you feeling? Do you feel pleasant? Do you feel unpleasant? Do you feel calm? Do you feel alert or maybe jumpy? Are you feeling comfortable? Are you feeling uncomfortable? These are your brain's beliefs about the state of your body, which you experience as mood. And Mm -hmm. this um, actually helps um, select which sensations which sensory signals your brain believes are important and which can be ignored. So human brains are wired to view the world through affect-colored or mood-colored glasses. When we feel strongly about something, we're more likely to believe it's true. And how we um, feel, the state of our bodies and, and how we experience that as mood can actually influence literally what we see. So for example... In our respiratory, we can um, change the state of someone's body without of their awareness. We can make their heart race or, or we can make them breathe more shallowly or more deeply. And this influences their mood. And then we, when, we, when they're feeling pleasant, for example, we can show them a neutral face, a person who's just at rest, and they'll look at that face and they'll see that person as smiling slightly. Or if we make them feel unpleasant, they look at a neutral face and they might see that person as um, slightly scowling. People, depending on their mood, will view... When you're in a pleasant mood, you are more trusting of other people. You believe that other people are um, more reliable um, and uh, more honest. And when you're feeling unpleasant, you, you um, suspect the opposite. So... The important point here is that when you react to, when you experience something um, that you hear or that you see or that you read as absolutely true, it hits you as absolutely true or absolutely a piece of foolishness, this is a cue that you've encountered something has either confirmed or violated a deeply held belief which has impacted your body budget. (laughs) Because words actually impact the physical state of your body. Um, And when somebody says something or does something that strongly impacts your physical state, state, just merely speaking words, or you could just read something that you find you know, that is consistent with what you believe or inconsistent with what you believe, this can affect the state of your body, which creates a change in your mood and then has has downstream influences on on how you perceive
2: the world and what you perceive. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Barrett, in another one of your TED Talks, uh, you said that uh, emotions come from past experience. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. And again, um, this is... Yep, something yeah, so surprising, yeah, question to people. Regarding
2: this, that why why is it that uh, sometimes you feel nervous or going on a stage, you, you're frightened, even though it's your first time?
3: Because brains, well, so first of all, an important thing to understand is that we repeatedly encounter the same people and places and things over and over again. And over time, um, these um, patterns tend to, reoccur so we learn them as regularities which is called statistical learning but then mm-hmm. your brain has this amazing capacity to take bits and pieces of past experience and reassemble them in a brand new way so this is what we call memory you don't necessarily have an experience of remembering but your brain is always using memories from the past and combine them in in like bits and pieces in new ways so that you can understand the sense, sensory signals that are, are um, available to you. So basically, everything you perceive, including making sense of the, what's going on inside your own body as, a, as an, an emotion, everything you experience is a combination of what's inside your head from past experience and what's outside in your body and in the world. And um, this ability that the brain has to take bits and pieces um, of the past and combine them in a new way so that you experience a brand new situation. um, uh, As familiar, this is called, um, scientists call this conceptual combination. It's like taking, it's like mm-hmm. taking um, bits and pieces of the past and fitting them together in uh, a new kind of
2: puzzle. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much. Um, this is the end of I too. I'm uh, very grateful for your time. Thank you for your knowledge, and uh, I hope that you uh, keep on uh, finding new things, and uh, thank you for your time.
3: My, my pleasure. Thank you so much for, uh, for your interest.
0: That was uh, our interview with uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett, uh, Barrett, uh, who is a university uh, distinguished professor of psychology at Northeastern University with appointments at the um, uh, Massachusetts uh, General Hospital. Um, and Harvard Medical School as well. Dr. Barrett has is among the top 1% uh, most cited scientists worldwide and has received numerous awards for her groundbreaking work as well. Um, she's also authored two best-selling popular science books for the public, How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain, um, and more recently, Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain as well. Sorry, her popular TED talk um, has been viewed more than six and a half million times to date as well uh just coming towards the end of this first segment um, the next question then of uh, that we need to of course uh, answer is does interpretation of our surroundings affect our behavior? Um, uh, Usman what do you what do you think about this uh, Is, is it, do you think interpretation of our surroundings affects our behaviour or or maybe not so much
1: <coughs> so the um, interpretation of our surroundings um, definitely definitely has an effect just as uh, um, Dr. Barrett also told us um, as minute as the example of this dress again um So the dresses I think are very very Like it was a very big thing Yeah yeah. Keeps coming up Mm. And the same goes for human beliefs And everything we do in our lives Things that uh, exist for us Might uh, exist differently for others And that is why Our behaviour Is also different based on what we see And how we see our surroundings For example a day Would look too bright and painful For a person with photosensitive uh, vision But the same day might be vibrant bright and full of life for another person so um it's, it's interpretation also there's some physical aspect to it as well like you, if you have bad vision obviously you will see things differently yeah but then there is a there's a aspect of how your brain perceives it how you see things mm. maybe like we were speaking about the rain some people love the rain yeah which is a mystery to me like how can you <laughs> love the rain it's such a bad weather <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have like sunshine yeah but so there's, there's a, uh, you know, everyone is made different and uh, this is just a part of being human, being yeah. different, being, because uh, uh, if everyone was the same, um, I think uh, there's also a verse in the Holy Quran that, not a verse, but contextually speaking, the God Almighty also spoke about this, that we have created you uh, differently. And uh, so he, that you can you can recognize each other. If you all yeah. look the same, if you all were the same people, there was mm. there would be no differentiation. There would be no. Um, you there would be it would be difficult to distinguish. Or he like he's African, he's British, he's yeah. uh, from this family, he's from that tribe. Yeah. So then everything would be just be like a dull life. There would be no mm. v- variation. There would be no. Um, I think there would be no competition. Yeah, Everyone would be the same. You, you, there's nothing to strive to. There's nothing to go forward to because
0: yeah. you can't become better than someone if you're the same. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, and of course, social media has a huge part to play as well, isn't it, when it comes to our interpretations and our thought processes and, uh, and whatnot as well. And that's why we've said that we should switch that with physical media. Here's yeah. the 8 o'clock news. Allah. Uh, welcome back to uh, the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio Station. You're listening to myself, Samar and Osman Manan, um, and we were—if uh, you are just tuning in—we were speaking about uh, our our perception, um, the way we see things, and how it's different uh, for every uh, individual as well. Um, in the first hour, in, after the after the news, uh, the news roundup, and, and now we're going to be speaking about mud and our immune systems. Let the kids have fun and be healthy. Um, And uh, after this segment, uh, the last segment for the day is going to be in regards to NASA's uh, DART spacecraft um, changed path of asteroid and how it is another milestone achieved. So, Osman, what is this uh, segment uh, all about? Um, In regards to our uh, immune system, and kids um, having fun and playing in the in, in mud. What, uh, why are we talking about this? So, as you know, chil- children love getting dirty.
1: They are drawn to puddles like muddy magnets, with no regard for where on the color of their clothing. But getting mucky, muddy, could have a powerful effect on their well-being too. So today, many parents may secretly wish their children had uh, the chance. Uh, to pick up a bit of crime with the rise of urbanism and the uh, allure of video games and social media. Contact with, nat- contact with nature is much rarer than in the past. For many there is simply no opportunity to get muddy. What is saved on uh, washing costs might be lost in the well-being of the child. Recent studies suggest that the dirt outside is teeming with helpful bacteria that might strength- strengthen the immune system. And increased resistance to a variety of diseases including allergies asthma and even sadness and anxiety mm-hmm. these results demonstrated that outdoor exercise benefits children's health not only because it all, it allows them to roam freely but also because some natural materials like soil and mud contain surprisingly potent microorganisms whose beneficial effects on the on children's health are still being Fully appreciated. Eating <clears throat> um, materials like mud or sand can help children develop the way their senses uh, and movement interact.
0: Hmm. I mean, it's it's very interesting as well, isn't it? I mean, we, and we we'll, we are going to be speaking about um, how exposure uh, to microorganisms make our immune system strong. Um, And when it comes to strong immunity, why is it important to keep our environment clean and and other such things as well, like why uh, parents may be less prone to, to letting their kids play in nature. Um, and other such things as well. But before we do so, uh, we are going to be speaking to our first uh, guest for, um, for for this topic. We do have with us on the line Sidra, Sidratul Muntaha, a biotech scientist, producer at uh, Voice of Islam radio station and volunteers for uh, MTA, Muslim Television, Ahmadiyya International Canada Studios, um, and spent her childhood playing with mud as well. assalamu peace be upon you, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show.
5: Assalamu good morning uh, peace and blessings of allah be
0: upon you and all your listeners jazakallah for having me wa as- jazakallah for being with us um we're speaking about um the 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 topic of uh, playing with mud and, uh, and our immune system and letting kids uh, go out and have fun as well Um, And and in this regard, the first question that we wanted to ask you was what are the benefits uh, of actually letting our kids uh, go out and and play in nature? Um, um, Yeah, what what are the benefits of this?
5: First of all, our immune system has this uh, uh, memory that it builds over time. And every single time that we encounter any sort of microorganisms, our immune system is... Saves that, um, um, that the defense system that it uses against that microorganisms. And the next time that we uh, encounter a similar or a more dangerous microorganism, our immune system, you know, uh, right away knows that, how to respond to it. And that, that's how our immune system becomes more and more stronger. So uh, when we are exposed to mud or, you know, all the natural resources out there, uh, our immune system becomes more and more exposed to mm. these microorganisms, which are healthy in a way that they build up our immune system. And eventually, mm. whenever we are encountered with a uh, with with, a, with a dangerous um, sort of virus or microorganism, then our immune system, you know, uh, readily um, responds to it, and we don't get ill that often. I mean, I do remember that being a kid, <clears throat> I used to play with mud and, you know, outdoors um, mm-hmm. more than the kids um, these days. And our immune systems, in, in comparison to the, in, to the immune system of, of our, um, um, uh, you know, newer generations, and even um, I, I do remember that my cousins um, the, uh, who used to live in uh, near, near, you know, villages or in villages had better immune system than ours because mm-hmm. it's it's all about the exposure that we get and uh, <clears throat> uh god almighty um uh, uh, the, the way he has beautifully made us is that uh, the more the more we come in co- contact with all the other um uh, with with the nature that he has made around us the more stronger we become and uh, the more benefit uh, beneficial it is it is for us
0: mm most definitely and and but do you do you feel as if there's a balance which uh, which needs to be struck or or should we just let our kids uh go out and and do whatever in nature and in dirt and uh, and other such things as well?
1: yeah, you know some children they just uh, eat sand and, Exa- mud, and exactly <laughs> I see their mothers they don't do anything about it and they're like oh, it's normal yeah. th- that's quite surprising to me.
5: I mean, um, in 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 this world, with all the social media, um, you know, all the <laughs> vlogs and stuff that we watch um, on social media, and people warning us, you know, that uh, this is what's happening out there. And I, I don't think so. A lot of parents are, you know, letting their kids play outside anymore, mm-hmm. like that. But uh, yes, to answer your question, there should be a balance, and uh, uh, the. the 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 in in present world, you know, with all the climate change and uh, the pollutants that are um, thrown out there by the industries and everything, mm. it is it is uh, it needs to be kept in mind that while we are le- we are trying to let our kids out out there and be healthy and you know be with nature instead of just um, stay in front of the screens all day long, it is it is important for us to. To see if the if the environment is you know uh, if it's uh, worth it that our kids are getting involved are uh, getting um, out there and you know just uh, uh, having fun mm-hmm. so yeah there should be a balance but uh, um, keeping in mind how the mothers especially are acting these days. Yeah. I think we should let
0: them have a little more fun. Mm-hmm. Most most certainly, um, and also there, there there needs to be a, a proper time and place. Uh, I think for this as well, isn't it? We mentioned in our introduction that uh, uh, children uh, they they're drawn to to puddles like like magnets, and uh, they don't have any regard for footwear or whatever they're wearing um and, and things of that sort and I and I know that 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 is definitely the case because even these days of you're in in Canada so I'm not sure what the weather's like there but over here it's been raining uh for for the last couple of days um and when it when it rains it pours uh, uh over here um, and th- whenever I go out with with my children, my my two year old, my, my daughter's fine, but my two year old son, he whenever he will run to the puddles, and I'm, we're we're like going to, to 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 like someone's invited us to their to their house and stuff, mm. and, and obviously you're dressed up nice, you've got your good shoes on and stuff like that, and he's just running to the puddles, and we're like, yo, just <laughs> just stop. <laughs> so so obviously, they, what do you think, Sita? So do you think there's a time and place for this, or should we just allow our, our kids to? To just go out and 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 have fun uh, whenever they, they they get the chance
5: i mean uh on on special occasions sure uh, we can you know we can just uh, ask them not to do that but yeah. the temptation um i think i get him <laughs> the temptation <laughs> is always there to do that i mean it, it, it as an uh, adult it's still a a, a a fun thing for me to do <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. okay um, and yeah, I think it it, yeah, it, it yeah. would be a fun thing if you don't have to worry about your clothes. Exactly, Obviously the, the child doesn't know yet. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I will get it clean. Like my mom will clean it. But once yeah. you have
0: to do it yourself, then you think twice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, most certainly, most certainly. Um, and 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 lastly, there. Um, do you, it, it, when we're we're speaking about uh, strong immunity, and of course, you mentioned. Um, that your other relatives and other such people who are maybe living in villages and stuff, um, their immune system was maybe a bit stronger as well. Um, do you think, in regards to strong immunity, um, it's important to keep our environment clean, or can uh, I, I, maybe a few of our listeners can uh, are thinking that maybe we can use this uh, not in a, in a negative way, but maybe this can be an excuse to. To 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 uh, to not clean our houses uh, as frequently or as often because uh, because of the these microorganisms and because of these microbes and maybe um, because of this dirt that it maybe uh, it'll strengthen the immune system and so it may it's not as essential to maybe clean up. What do you think? Um, uh,
5: so definitely, it is very important to keep keep our climate, keep our um environment clean and by the microorganism i meant uh, the good ones that hmm. those uh, those microorganisms who stay on our skin you know we have a microflora on our skin even when we clean ourselves it's it's there naturally it's there so god has uh, created the system that uh, that e- ecosystem around us that um uh, to certain level of um, uh, within uh, keeping our uh, environment clean there are still going to be some of the microorganisms which are actually healthy for our for, for us to stay healthy, you know. Mm-hmm. So it is it is not about keeping uh, the environment not clean um, uh, and use it an, as an excuse that you know we we just want to improve our immune system. That's why we're not cleaning the cleaning our house, cleaning our black backyard, or you know the streets. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is very important to clean our environment because as we have seen throughout uh, through through uh, through decades, uh, what we have done with earth um, you know, all the pollutions and uh, not, um, giving, uh, uh, rights to our earth. Uh, we've seen the, the outcome, uh, the calamities that are, that the world is going through. So it starts from, from an individual level that to keep our environment clean is an obligation. And being a Muslim, it is, it is a, uh, uh, it is considered half of our, half of our faith, um, you know, uh, the personal hygiene and to keep the environment around us clean. But it's very important to, uh, to keep the environment clean but uh, 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 and also to mingle with it. I mean, that is the point, to keep it clean so that we can, you know, um, um, uh, interact with our
0: environment mm, yeah so I mean basically the, the, the bottom line over here is like with anything Islam teaches us that moderation uh, is key of course it, we need to keep ourselves clean and we need to keep ourselves healthy and of course that is an injunction of uh, the Holy Quran as well like you mentioned half of faith is is, is in fact cleanliness um, and, but at the same time, uh, we we should be able to to have fun with other such things as well, like playing in the mud and uh, and in puddles and other such things, and going out and being one with nature as well. And, of course, that is beneficial as well. So, obviously, um, it's about striking a balance uh, between the two as well. Uh, JazakAllah, thank you, Siratul for, Muntaha, for being with us, for answering our questions, and we hope you have a wonderful day ahead as well. Thank
5: you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: Zero to zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. That was Sidratul Muntaha, a biotech scientist, uh, producer uh, of uh, 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 the Voice of Islam radio station as well, um, and volunteers for MTA, which is the Muslim Television Ahmadiyya International uh, uh, Canada <coughs> studios over there. Um, and she spent her childhood playing with mud as well, and so very fond of this topic at hand. Um, Getting into exposure of microorganisms and how it makes our immune system strong. Um, If you can just uh, elaborate a little bit about this, uh, Usman, and then we'll we'll maybe end with uh, why maybe parents are less prone to letting their kids uh, play in nature before moving on to our next segment.
1: Yeah, many of the psychological benefits of outdoor (coughs) play are already well established our brains evolved in natural landscapes and our perceptual systems are particularly well suited to wild outdoor spaces the new research offers a fresh take on the hygiene hypothesis first populated in the late 1980s according to this day idea the great reduction in childhood infectious infections over the 20th century had an undesirable side effect on people's immune system leading them to become overactive to the slightest stimulation. The result was thought to be uh, the rise in asthma, hay fever and food allergies. Various studies support this idea. People who grow up on farms generally uh, are less likely to develop asthma allergies or autoimmune disorders, encouraged more effective (coughs) uh, like uh, Crohn's disease. Uh, apparently to their childhood exposure to a more diverse range of organisms in the rural environment that had encouraged more effective regulation of the immune system. It is believed that the digestive tract is where much of the beneficial stimulation provided by these bugs occurs. It is now generally established that having beneficial bacteria in our guts can have a variety of positive effects on our health. However, according to um, uh, Michel Antonelli, a physician from uh, Reggio Emilia, Italy, who has studied the ways that mud therapies might affect health, they may also act on and through our skin. According to him, the skin is home to a variety of microbe microbe species and uh, those who suffer from conditions like psoriasis and uh, atopic dermatitis a frequent uh, form of eczema, appear to have a uh, de- depleted ecosystem of living things. Even illnesses like uh, arthritis seem to be connected to the diversity of microbes. These microorganisms can play as crucial influence in many major problems.
0: Mm. I mean, very, very interesting, uh, isn't it? And, and uh, this is actually something which... Uh, uh, I was going to speak to our guest about as well, but 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 it slipped my mind. Uh, when it comes to mudding, um, mm-hmm. you see that uh, I, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's it's such a difference, isn't it? I mean, you'll you'll never imagine um, that people will. Well, I I couldn't before I knew about it. I yeah. I couldn't I I wouldn't imagine that people would actually go and sit in like, for instance, a bathtub of uh, of mud uh yeah, yeah. and and, uh, and and obviously the the benefits are, are there isn't it this is this is what we're speaking about as well that uh, the the mud therapies uh might, can affect health and they can also uh act uh, uh, and through our skin as well so obviously it has uh, it has a lot of benefits um over there as well um but the um the the reason why parents may be less prone to letting their kids play in nature is basically cuz uh, because parental concerns about safety are the most common reasons why kids mm-hmm. are not permitted to roam and play yep. uh, parents uh, worrying about strangers, bullies, teenagers, and traffic provide the biggest barriers to independent active free play. The average child um, was uh, the average age of a child was allowed to play outside alone. Uh, was ten point seven years, while their parents recalled being allowed out before their ninth birthday, um, um, on on average, and in line with previous studies, the findings confirm that children play uh, less as they get older. In the largest study of play in Britain we can clearly see that there is a trend to protective and to provide less freedom for our children now than in previous generations. And this is what Helen Dodd said, who is a professor of child psychology at the University of Reading, uh, who led the study. Um, And she also says that the concerns we have from this report are twofold. First, we are seeing children getting towards the end of their primary school years without having had enough opportunities to develop their ability to assess and manage risk independently. And second, if children are getting less time to play outdoors in an adventurous way, this may have an impact on their mental health and overall well-being. The reasons, she goes on to say that the reasons... Uh, are different with social um, uh, changes, safety fares, technology and traffic growth all arguably playing a part. However, the end result for uh, all too many children is the same. Boredom, isolation, inactivity and poorer mental and physical health. The consequences for their development and well-being should not be underestimated. Um, and if we turn to the Holy Quran, chapter 30, verse 42, we can see that a state's corruption has appeared on land and sea in consequence of people's misdeeds, that Allah may afflict them with the consequences of their misconduct so that they may turn back from evil. His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazumizamassur Ahmad May Allah strengthened his hand, reminded us that modern advancement in medical technology and surgery has afforded man a longer lifespan and improved his quality of life but this should not develop the thought that man has acquired divine attributes and can provide healing by himself one must remember that this progress is also due to god himself who has enabled man to acquire knowledge to develop these technologies Um, Also, His Holiness uh, has drawn the attention of Ahmadi uh, Muslim doctors and physicians around the world to first and foremost remember this principle that God alone is the healer and along with treatment they should pray for their patients in order to secure God's pleasure um and of course this is uh, an essential piece of uh, uh, of uh, of wisdom that we should always keep in mind that we should never rely on the substance alone to bring about whatever change we mm-hmm. want from it right we should always be um referring to god almighty Um, and addressing him and seeking his help and and, and by by praying to him that Allah the Almighty please remove this uh, affliction from me or remove this ailment from me or grant me such and such thing whatever the prayer is of course according to that but we should always turn to God Almighty and we should never rely on physical substances alone Of course, they have their own uh, benefits and God uh, God Almighty has provided us with such things. Um, But we should never be reliant upon these things because when we rely on these things without turning to God Almighty for his succor and for his help uh, and for his aid, then this is a form of shirk. This is a form of um, associating partners with God Almighty because rather than placing our trust in him, we are placing our trust in these for instance these herbs or these pharmaceutical uh products uh, um, which uh, uh or, or these medicines for instance um and so of course we should uh use these things and make use of these things that is not forbidden yeah. but uh we should always keep god, in, god almighty in mind as well yeah certainly i mean um
1: we've, we've seen this like uh, you you can you can try out yourself that the medicine, even though it is the cure for the disease, it is not always effective.
0: Mm.
1: So we have many uh, diseases, such as cancer or uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, which we can't treat. And uh, then you think that why is there a disease which doesn't have a cure? But the reason is that it, we just haven't found the cure yet. Yeah. So this is why it's uh, ultimately it's Allah uh, the Almighty who has who's created this world, who created the disease. We must have the cure. Yeah. So. Uh, like you, we know that turning to god has never failed because you in some way or another uh, you are compensated for whatever loss you might uh, incur because of the disease yeah but uh, when we go you know, use the medicine let's say we we try to cure someone with medicine but it fails there's no compensation you you tried and you failed but if you rely on god and you you pray to god um even if you lose your loved one or or someone yeah. then you uh, you know in your heart that in compensation he will have a reward mm. for the for the pain he's
0: going through yeah. he will have a he will have something to look forward to yeah definitely definitely um, and with that, we are going to be going straight to our last segment for the day. Um, the, the, the this this last topic. And remember, if you would like to get involved uh, and voice your opinion about any one of these topics, then of course you can do so. You can tweet to us uh, or leave your comments on our Instagram page at Voice of Islam UK, um, and you can give us a call as well uh, on zero zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Um, so the American Space Agency says its recent attempt to deflect the path of an asteroid was successful. Scientists have now confirmed the orbit of a 160 meter wide space rock uh, known as Dimorphos uh, was altered when the DART probe struck it head, uh, uh, head on last month. Um so, scientists say that the, um, um, uh, like I said, this 520 foot, uh, 160 meter wide uh, space rock on or, or in orbit uh, known as Dimorphos was uh, altered when the DART uh, probe stuck it ahead on last month. Um, the mission uh, was formed to test possible strategies for protecting Earth from threatening objects, darts. Success proves that such an idea will work, uh, provided it is launched early enough and the target is not too big. The double asteroid redirection test uh, took place some 11 kilometres, uh, 11 million kilometres, uh, 7 million miles from Earth. It saw the refrigerator-sized NASA satellite drive straight into Dimorphos. At uh, 22,000 kilometers per hour, uh, 14,000 miles per hour, destroying itself in the process. The space rock uh, orbits a much larger object called uh, Didymos. uh, Didymos. Uh, This is 780 meters wide. Uh, Before impact, the time taken for Dimorphos to make one circuit of its sibling was 11 hours and 55 minutes, so just under 12 hours. The telescope um, evidence now indicates this orbital period has been reduced to 11 hours and 23 minutes, uh, a change of 32 minutes. Uh, This corresponds to Dimorphos moving closer to Didymos, um, a tightening of the orbit, uh, orbital path uh, by tens of meters. Osman, um, how can this attempt of deflecting the <laughs> asteroid path uh, change the future of astrology, do you think? So, DART changed uh, planetary defense
1: forever by proving that it is possible to deflect an asteroid from Earth. The data collected will help scientists determine how hard it is to hit an as- um, asteroid in the future. Understanding the unique properties of Dimorphos will uh, inform NAS- uh, NASA's uh, future planetary defense planning. Such features may not be common to all asteroids, uh, including those that may one day be on collision course with Earth. So we always have these asteroids mm. trying to you know, destroy Earth. Mm. And, and I love space movies as well. There's, there's a few. <laughs>
0: I, I I don't think the the Astros are uh, uh, trying to uh, destroy the uh, Earth. <laughs> I think that's just in the movies that you're 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 referring to.
1: No, uh, trust me, it's, it's the alien sending <laughs> them. <that. laughs>
0: the promised Messiah upon whom be peace has stated that the continued study of physics, astronomy, and the sciences will always lead a righteous person towards God Almighty. The more they learn about God's creation and the world around them the more they will appreciate the beauty of Allah the Almighty through the wonders of the universe.
1: Yeah, also at the 10th annual AMRA conference, His Holiness, Mr. Mirza Masoor Ahmad, uh, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, May Allah be his help said, Having gathered here he and held this conference, you must all consider it your mission to pursue excellence within your chosen field. You must reflect upon how you can develop a greater understanding of the world and develop new technologies or systems through which humanity can benefit. So Mm. all we do is all is for the benefit of humanity.
0: Yeah, most certainly. Um, And we'll be uh, speaking about this uh, in a bit more detail in a short while and and of of course addressing other such things as well, like for instance, to what extent is science able to protect uh, Earth from outer space bodies Um, entering the Earth's orbit um, and other uh, such things as well. But before we do so, we're going to be speaking to our first guest in regards to this topic. We do have with us on the line Professor John Ellis. Um, John Ellis is a British uh, theoretical physicist who currently holds the Clerk Maxwell Professorship of Theoretical uh, Physics at King's College in London. Um, His research interests focus on the uh, phenomenological aspects of elementary particle physics and its connection with astrophysics, cosmology and gravity. Much of his work relates directly to experiment, uh, interpreting results of searches uh, for new particles and exploring the physics that could be done with future accelerators. Um, He is uh, 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 one of the first to study how the Higgs uh, uh, boson uh, could be produced and discovered. He's currently studying possible future particle accelerators and experiments to detect a m- dark matter and measure gravitational waves as well. As peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show.
6: Uh, good morning, well thank you very much for the invitation to your show.
0: You're welcome and thank you for, for being with us and joining us um, We're speaking about a very interesting uh, topic here and, and before we get into, get into the main questions, um, what sparked your interest to study space and science?
6: Well I could say that I a child so uh, back in 1957 1958 uh, when I was uh, at school, uh, the first uh, satellites were put up, and uh, it was something that fascinated me. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, uh, you know, I used to re- read a lot of books, and, uh, no, mainly science books, and uh, that set me on the way towards uh, a career in science.
1: Thank you. Um, what do you think are the, are the benefits we can gain from these type of missions?
6: So, uh, space missions play a a very important role in our everyday life nowadays. Uh, Think of uh, communication satellites, the broadcast uh, satellite TV. Uh, Think of the uh, global uh, positioning system, which enables us to navigate. Uh, The navigation systems you have in your, uh, uh, for example, depends on GPS uh, satellites. Uh, think of uh, the satellites making weather forecasts, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for example, detecting climate change. So there's many, many ways in which space satellites are benefit to humanity.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, um, was this uh, mission, which was launched, uh, do you think that was the only way to avoid asteroids, or have you were there other methods which were tried?
6: Okay, so people have become uh, aware that there are many uh, objects, asteroids, uh, in the solar system uh, whose orbits cross the orbit of the Earth. Mm -hmm. So there is uh, a possibility, a danger, that uh, one of them might uh, hit the Earth and uh, cause immense damage. So I recall that uh, some 60 million years ago, uh, a large asteroid, Uh, hit the earth and uh, killed off most life uh, including uh, the dinosaurs Mm -hmm. now most of the asteroids that uh, astronomers have detected nowadays uh, aren't as big as that one uh, but they would be big enough for example to destroy a a major city and there have been examples uh, within the last century of uh, asteroids uh, reaching the earth which would have caused great damage if they hit a populated area. Fortunately, uh, they didn't. So uh, scientists have been uh, thinking how to uh, collect uh, a possibly dangerous asteroid uh, from a collision with Earth. And uh, hitting it with a spacecraft is uh, one of the possibilities.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. And lastly, one of your research interests includes uh, predictions for collider experiments. Could you tell us about some of the experiments you do?
6: Yes, uh, actually I'm a, a theorist, so I uh, don't actually do the experiments myself, uh, but I uh, make suggestions of what experiments to do, and uh, then I interpret uh, some of the experimental results. Uh, so uh, in the introduction, uh, already the Higgs boson was mentioned, so this is something that we uh, worked on uh, back in the 1970s and mm-hmm. almost 40 years later, it was uh, it was discovered uh, using some of the uh, techniques that we had proposed. Uh, one of the other things that I am interested in looking for is uh, something called dark matter. For astronomers tell us that in addition to all the visible matter in the Earth, there is in fact much more invisible matter. whose existence we only know the gravitational pull that it exerts on uh, the stars and, uh, and galaxies and uh, so we're very keen to find out what that dark matter is uh, maybe it's some kind of particle but perhaps we could detect it experiment and that's one of the things that I'm working on at the moment
0: no, Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Pro- Professor John Ellis, for for being with us, for answering our questions and sharing your insight uh, into this, uh, this very interesting topic. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful day ahead as well.
6: Okay, well, uh, thank you again for the uh, invitation. I wish all the best. Good health to you and your listeners.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye. Zero to zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. That was Professor John Ellis, uh, who is a British theoretical physicist who currently holds the Clerk Maxwell Professorship of Theoretical Physics at King's College in London. Um, his research um, um, focus, uh, focuses on the f- phenom- phenomenological aspects of elementary particle physics and its connection with astrophysics, cosmology and gravity. And he's well known for his efforts to involve underrepresented communities in scientific and technological activities as well. Um, with that, we're going to be going straight to our next guest for the show. We do have with us on the line Professor uh, Marek Zierbart, uh, who is a professor of space Jodicey uh, at University College London. He has worked for over 20 years on various aspects of space technology and science, working with NASA and the European Space Agency. He is uh, he also works in an advisory role for the UK government. Um, Space uh, Geodesy is the science and engineering uh, of measuring the dynamic characteristics of planets, uh, such as sea level rise, uh, using uh, space technology. As-salamu peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Uh, Good morning and uh, uh,
4: peace to you as well.
0: Thank you uh, and uh, thank you for 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 being with us Um we're speaking about a very interesting uh, topic here um, and the first question before we get into the main ones again um, the first one that we wanted to ask you was what is the most fulfilling part uh, of your work do you think?
4: Well I, I mean as you know I'm a, a university professor which is a very privileged privileged role in society mm. so I feel very fortunate to lead such a life I think it's got two key aspects to that that are fulfilling. First is that I'm involved in epistemology, which is the creation of new knowledge. And um, and UCL's ethos is to uh, create knowledge that is impactful and beneficial to all the peoples of the world. So it's really quite a wonderful thing to uh, to have uh, as, as, you know, as, as, my, as my job. Mm-hmm. But secondly, it's, it's the business of helping students to realise their potential as human beings and to encourage them to become agents of positive change in the world
1: thank you Um do you think humans have the right to intervene with nature for example by redirecting an asteroids course or should it be left to a higher power
4: Okay, I mean that's it's a it's a it's a tremendous question and 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 I can answer that question from my perspective I I must say, I'm not trying to challenge anyone's belief system here, but let's start mm-hmm. with a, a sort of a thought experiment in, in ethics. So let's say that you are standing next to your five-year-old sister at the base of a tall cliff, and the surface of this cliff is being eroded and weakened by frost action and rainfall. So while you're standing there, a boulder comes loose, and it's hurtling down towards your sister. Now, do you pull her to safety, or should you let her be crushed? that it crushed to death or, or, or just very, very badly hurt. Now, in the same way, the geological record shows us that asteroid impacts have been associated with mass extinction events. So having the, the, the ability to deflect one of these asteroids could potentially avert the destruction of the human species in its entirety. Mm-hmm. So, irrespective of the causation, I feel that, um, you know... Um, let's go back to the the analogy of your little sister of course you would try to save her from being hurt
1: yeah I think I I agree with you as well if we have the means to prevent something then we should use it Um, another question is that what is the likelihood of an asteroid or comet being a threat to Earth is is it that serious is it that common
4: well okay so whether it's common or not we know it's going to happen Right, I mean, as you said, the geological record shows us that that's the case, and I think that the the, um, the the problem we have as a modern, highly developed society is hubris. We become so sophisticated and, and technological that we think that nothing could possibly bring us down. I mean, Percy Bish Shelley's poem *Ozymandias* says, you know, "Look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair." But on the positive side, I think the global pandemic has helped people to realize that great calamities are not something that's purely in the past. These things can happen to us today. So the question of whether or not it's going to happen, it will happen at some point in time. And the bottom line is we we need to be ready for that.
0: Mm. Most certainly, most certainly. Um, uh, Professor Zebart, uh, although NASA's uh, predictions uh, were much lower, the orbit uh, was reduced by thirty-two minutes. Could more accurate predictions be possible in the future for for more precise results? Do you think?
4: Okay, so here we're talking about the uh, the Dart mission that mm. was sent to um, um, create a collision between yeah. a, essentially a spacecraft and an asteroid, and so, first thing you have to have to sort of embrace the fact that that's an incredible technological um, uh, achievement yeah. to fly something that far from space, mm. to point it at at the asteroid and 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 impact it. And so, um, in terms of making things more precise, uh, once you can fly. A set of instruments on a spacecraft that can communicate back to earth and you can put these things in orbits around around these asteroids then you can monitor them much more successfully from close up because you know uh, primarily you're using things like telescopes um, from the earth or maybe a space form telescope to, to monitor these things so inevitably we will get better at, at doing this and this is an important first step but of course it doesn't mean the problem is solved because it, it's one thing to Smash a bit of metal into an immense piece of rock, it's another to do that in a way that deflects it in the right direction. Mm
0: yeah definitely definitely um and and just lastly there because there is such a such a fascinating topic um and uh, for maybe a few of our uh, younger listeners who who are tuned in as well is there any piece of advice that you would like to share that uh, maybe spark their interest even further into this topic um and maybe even go into this field um uh, in, in the future as well
4: well I, th- I think a, a really uh, helpful thing to say is if you look at the the tremendous role of Islamic culture in developing mathematics in the world I mean algebra right was you know that's we take the name for algebra mm-hmm. from from from, from um, a, a man who who um, worked and developed those ideas so I think it's um, working in stem of course has huge opportunities and and the world is crying out for such people but I I would first like to reiterate the, the proud heritage of, of 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 muslim scholars in in developing mathematics because it's not a static thing you know this is something that it, it, in a way mathematics is one of the great gifts of human knowledge mm. and, uh, and and muslim people have played a key role in doing that so i would really encourage your young listeners just to work on mathematics and partly as well because it's a logical thing yeah. many things like the questions we've been discussing here Quite difficult questions to answer, whereas mathematics, because it's entirely logical enables you to progress as in in your thinking your, your ability to analyze and your ability to be logical
0: yeah yeah thank you uh, um, uh, most certainly and thank you for, for, for that Professor uh, Marek uh, for sharing your insight uh, into this fascinating topic and uh, and your your comments uh, over there at the end as well thank you again and we hope you have a wonderful day ahead.
4: And you. Thank you very
0: much. You're welcome. 0 687 is the number for you to call. Uh, professor Marek Zierbart uh, is a professor of space geodesy uh, um, at University College London. He has worked for over 20 years on various aspects of space technology and science, working with NASA and the European Space Agency as well. He also works in an advisory role for the UK government. Um, and he was sharing his thoughts uh, with us in this regard and 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 it's, it's, it's very interesting isn't it to 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 see how uh, how much the world and science uh, has developed for us to achieve uh, such a su- such a height um, uh, when it comes to this um, and of course um, like a uh, uh, professor was mentioning as well um, if we do do um, Study uh, uh, mathematics um, and other such things as well. Then then this will be, of course, uh, hugely beneficial for for all of us. Um, And this is something that we should definitely uh, look into as well.
1: Yeah, I think I'd I'd like to take a moment and like appreciate these uh, scientists and mathematicians, physicists. These people have done like great work, you know, individually, and it's a very small number. If we have about like seven, eight billion people, mm. there's probably like less than a million of these people who are, who are you know protecting us, who are protecting this species, humanity. Like one asteroid could destroy everything. One disease could cause uh, like for example COVID. So how many doctors, how many uh, researchers have worked really hard over these last two, two three years to make uh, this vaccine and uh, cure and precautions and uh, so uh, yeah i think we should v- appreciate these people and mm. uh, it's it's um we should uh, um encourage our children to become like them uh, in terms of uh, their achievements and uh, studies that to to reach a stage where you can be useful to humanity mm. Not just uh think about you know your career career your your income your uh financial situation, think about the benefit think about the the change you can bring to this world and always try to you know excel yourself.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I think even uh, in our last week's show, uh, you mentioned that I- within Islam, we are told and we are taught that um, to prolong your life. We are talking, speaking about longevity, yeah. isn't it? Uh, to prolong your life, one of the things that you should do is actually be beneficial to the people around you um and if we serve humanity if we serve mankind then of course what what better way is there to 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 help humanity isn't it um and so this is something that we should definitely get involved in and not just to um um to 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 live longer ourselves but actually this is an injunction of the holy quran and islam has taught us that uh, we need to be beneficial to the people around us uh we need to be helpful to the people around us um and when we do this uh the 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 benefits that we see from from this will be manifold uh, and and again we we always speak about the rights that we owe to god almighty and the rights that we owe to mankind as well yeah. um and this is a way in which we can give back to society and is definitely something that we should uh to, to we should get more involved in as well and um, we're going to be speaking to our last guest for the show now we do have with us on the line dr david uh, amato who is a lecturer in spacecraft engineering in the de- department of uh, aeronautics at imperial college london assalamualaikum peace be upon you good morning and welcome to the breakfast show
7: good morning and um, thank you for the opportunity for the interview
0: you're welcome and thank you for 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 being with us um Dr. Amato, what does the success of the DART mission mean for the future of astrophysics, do you think?
7: Uh, Well, DART has been certainly a very important mission uh, for uh, this particular field that's uh, planetary defense, which is kind of uh, applied planetary science. Um, So the success of the mission means that uh, now we have a better idea on uh, what the, uh, the... of the maturity of the technology uh, that we have uh, in order to deflect the potential uh, hazardous asteroid um so from the scientific point of view what the mission was really interested in in showing uh, was um uh, well first of all showing that the technology to deflect the asteroid was ready and secondly to also understand better the uh, the physical processes involved in um, uh, in the reflection so for instance how by um, how much we can change the speed of this asteroid in order to uh, prevent a potential impact in the future.
1: Thank you very much. Um, the next question I would uh, like to ask you is um, regarding an, uh, a NASA administrator called uh, this mission a watershed moment for planetary defense and a watershed moment for humanity. Do you think this area of uh, astrophysics should be given a higher priority?
7: Um, I wouldn't say uh, so much higher priority as uh, having more consistent uh, support, especially um, from our leaders. Um, So this mission was actually part of a joint uh, European and American effort uh, called uh, AIDA, Uh, And in fact, the the other half of uh, this mission was originally supposed to be uh, another spacecraft called AIM that would have been launched by uh, the European Space Agency. Um, But unfortunately, this was cancelled a few years ago due to um, budget constraints, uh, Mm -hmm. but has then subsequently been reintroduced. Uh, So we will have a European spacecraft that arrives at the asteroid uh, called uh, HERA in a few years from now. Um, but this lack of consistency means that the scientific returns from this mission will be uh, a bit less because we will have, um, uh, because of this delay in the launch of the spacecraft. So these kinds of things uh, happen uh, quite often in, um, in space and in big scientific projects in general. Um, so it's uh, it's good to have a consistency for such uh, long, long-term projects uh, across the... Um, you know across the the political boundaries essentially
0: mm-hmm. um, and lastly the uh, the redirection of the asteroid was a uh, part of the uh, of one of the planetary defense options um what other options are there to protect the earth from from such an occurrence
7: yeah so there are um mm-hmm. There are several options that have, uh, that have that are currently being researched. Um, so they are all based on uh, trying to nudge the asteroid uh, off its uh, trajectory just a little bit. Um, so there's no options that are generally involved with like destroying an asteroid, or you know, like you see in the movies, for mm. instance. Um, a- another option that's often mentioned uh, in research uh, is uh, that of launching essentially a, uh, a nuclear weapon. Uh, they would uh, explode close to the asteroid uh, and then nudge it just a little bit off its trajectory without uh, yeah. without destroying it. Um, but uh, of course, this will mean that um, you will have to have essentially a, a nuclear armed missile um, <laughs> to to launch to uh, this potential uh, threat. Which, of course, like especially in the current international situation, is maybe not um, maybe not such a uh, a good idea, but there's also more um, more options, such as what's called the gravity tractor, which would essentially mean uh, parking a spacecraft uh, close to the asteroid, so that uh, the gravitational attraction of the spacecraft would uh, generally nudge the asteroid off the off its path, or uh, an ion beam shepherd, uh, with, mm, which is a, a spacecraft in which um, which would um, essentially shoot um beam of uh, energetic gas uh, on the asteroid to again like nudge it um and th- this will be equivalent to basically blowing uh, on the surface of the asteroid uh, to uh, push it away mm-hmm.
1: and have these experiments been conducted as well or are, are these just theories
7: um this is mostly on a uh, there's been lots of simulations involved um but mostly on a theoretical level um so dart is the the first uh, technological demonstration of what's called the kinetic impactor mission uh, which uh, which involves smashing yes, into the asteroid in order to to deviate a little bit so dart uh, is the only um uh, mission that has been uh, demonstrated in practice with a real asteroid
0: mm-hmm. interesting. thank you very much Uh, Thank you, Dr. David uh, Amato, for being with us, for answering our questions and sharing your insight uh, into this this very fascinating uh, topic. Uh, Thank you once again, and we hope you have a wonderful day ahead. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Zero to zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call that was Dr. David Amato a lecturer in spacecraft engineering in the Department of Euronautics at uh, Imperial College London, sharing his thoughts with us. Uh, before wrapping up, um, we are going to be listening to a, b- a very short uh, audio clip on what effects do stars, astronomy, uh, uh, stars, and astronomy have on human life? This is answered by the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad. May Allah have mercy on his soul.
6: Astronomy is a scientific branch of knowledge, and It deals with the facts of creation as scientists discover them. There is absolutely no reflection against astronomy in the Holy Quran. In fact, the Holy Quran repeatedly draws human attention to astronomy and requires them to study more astronomy in greater depth, in greater width so that they discover the secrets of Allah's creation more and more and bow their head in submission to Him. This is the role of astronomy mentioned in the Qur'an.
0: That was His Holiness, the fourth head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazar may Allah have mercy on his soul, sharing his thoughts on astronomy and of course at the same time, the study of astronomy as well. Um, just lastly, there before we before we conclude today's class uh, today's uh, session, the Holy Quran uh, states in chapter three, verse one hundred and ninety one and one hundred and ninety two, that in the creation of the heavens and the earth, and in the alternation of the night and the day, there are indeed signs for men of understanding. Those who remember Allah while standing, sitting, and lying on their sides, and ponder over the creation of the heavens and the earth. Our Lord, Thou hast not created this in vain. Nay, holy art Thou. Save us, then, from the punishment of the fire. So we can see that Allah the Almighty has given us all of these different things, the night and the day, the stars, the skies, everything, so that we can understand him in a far better manner. So it's essential for us to delve deep into the studies of such things, of astrophysics, of astronomy, so that we can better understand our creator as well. The more we study, the more we learn, the more we research, the better our understanding of our Creator will be and the better we will be able to worship Him as well. And this brings us to an end for today's uh, um, show. Here is the 9 o'clock news.